0: so good evening everyone nice to be back with you again had a nice visit to South America over the flew over the Amazon jungle in the plane I just opened the window just by chance and we were flying over the Amazon River. Did you know the Amazon landmass mass is bigger than Europe? Incredible uh, place. And we went to Brindabhumi there, a nice rural uh, and rustic setting presided over by Bhakti Vedantapuri Maharaj and then to Buenos Aires where Vaisna and Padmanab Maharaj and, and their six very hardworking, dedicated brahmacharinis are conducting a very nice program in the city. So, again, good to be back with you. Nice to see all the visitors from other parts, from North America, from Europe. Any questions tonight? You're back, too. Yes, I'm back. Good to have you back. Yeah. Yes? Uh regarding your article on, uh, on the harmonist, the, the recent one about ego-effacing, you mentioned uh, about two types of egos, first one being a hankar. Uh, metaphysical ego. Yeah. And then you mentioned uh, the secondary psychological ego. Mm-hmm. You called it. I was just wondering if you wanted to talk a little more. I, it was unclear a little bit because I haven't heard it described before about the psychological part. Well, I did uh, speak about that earlier, but uh, to to go over it a little bit more, I, the idea is that um, there's a, um, there is a. Um, we, in the Bhagavad sankhya philosophy which explains the uh, the nature of as i often say what's out there hmm? um, <coughs> excuse me the objective world there is a uh, both a physical and a psychic dimension to that the psychic dimension is perhaps not the best way to describe it. Prabhupada refers to it as subtle matter, hmm? but subtle matter is such that it has the capacity, as I often say, to reflect consciousness proper, hmm? and therefore it takes on a subjective-like nature. Hmm? It becomes psychic, hmm? mind. Right. Um, the uh, subtle, the subtle, subtle matter is. Also described as the as a uh, as a composite uh, by the term antakarana, hmm? and it's a fourfold in its uh, components. So you have chitta, buddhi, manas, and hunkar. So you have identification, you, or you have awareness. I often give the example of a sound. You have you hear a sound, you've identified a sound. Then with your buddhi, your Discriminating power—you determine what the sound is. It's a—it's fl- a flute. Manas is the seed of desire, and uh, and uh, so likes and dislikes are registered there. I like the sound of the flute. Hmm? Okay, and all of this is going on in, in, in within um, a sense of an identity that's been f- been formed as a result of s- s- consciousness touching matter, that's called ahankar. Hmm? So, ahankar is, is a metaphysical you know, concept. Hmm? Um, it literally means, I-maker. So, it, it, it makes, it creates an identity. Hmm? An identity, there's each atma's individual. It's coming from a homogeneous condition in kind of a deep sleep within Vishnu when the universe contracts that's called susupti and then as it expands again hmm? then that homogeneous conglomeration of atmas again becomes hetero heterogeneous heterogeneous, hmm? and and then then based on karma further individualization if you will uh, occurs as false as that karmic individuality is so that's uh, so speaking about so hankar we're speaking about the identification with matter the principle of identification and it literally means kar means, means to make means i so it's an i maker hmm? It makes an I. Um, that said, the fact that I am is not something that's made up, right? It's not made up by matter. I am, regardless of all this, right, that I'm talking about. So, Uh, there's a a false identification, right? There's a deeper I am, I exist, but then there's a false identification that results from being in proximity to matter, hmm? kind of touching matter, but not in a physical sense, right? Sometimes an example is given how a magnet... uh, attracts something metal. Of course, there is physical forces subtle in play and so forth. It's just an an analogy. Um, But uh, we shouldn't, that said, look for physical forces when we're talking about something spiritual, moving matter. It shouldn't show up as a physical force. It doesn't. People think it's not really happening. There is no real agency in consciousness. It's not doing anything, but you're looking at it the wrong way. Hmm? Anyway, that's a whole other... Discussion, but the basic idea here is that this identification with matter is is formed by the hunkar, and then inside of that, of course, the person has his his own particular psychology, and it could be balanced. We don't we don't talk about a, a balanced or unbalanced hunkar, hmm. hmm. so but there's a psychological ego of each individual. That uh, in a sense, is is different than the hungkar. And one of the examples I give in the article is that is that by um, some people, even the spiritual traditions can conf- conflate the two mm-hmm. And they think that by some psychological type of manipulation, um, be that uh, good or bad, um, often in cases it's it's bad. That that the ego is, which we call the unkar, is going to be broken, and you're going to become enlightened. So there are examples of gurus bringing disciples in and humiliating them in public. And and uh, there was this one guy who was famous in California. Used to bring uh, couples in and then um, engage in uh, unmentionable activities with the couples, with the husband's wife in front of the husband, just to you know to crush his ego. Because he's attached, he shouldn't be, and so, so th- this is not going to unravel the hunkar and all the karmic uh, implications and some scars stored in the chitta for eons and eons. Of, uh, there's 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 not a psychological method to do that. There's sadhana. Hmm. This is a particular, and there are different tra- traditions of sadhana, and yoga, and jnana, and bhakti. They all have some power. Hmm. They're all trans-rational exercises that can get at things and and, and do things that can't be done by other methods. Hmm? And so, um, just by attacking the psychological ego and making someone embarrassed uh, and uh, uh, humiliating them uh, in public and so forth is 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 not going to unravel the hunkar. Hmm? And um, so that said, um, on the other hand, if we have a, if we, if we just cater to the psychological ego in an effort to make it balanced and, and um, Im- improve it and increase your self-esteem, for example, if it's lacking, which can be a you know a big problem for somebody, um, and, and so forth. And, and there's of course a lot of good insights about all this. As good as you can do in that regard, it's not going to unravel um, lifetimes of material, some scars, and clean the chitta and so forth. Which is uh, part of what's involved in unraveling the 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 car, identification with matter. It's a bigger affair. Hmm? within that there's a smaller I call it psychological ego. but that said, not by not by um, what it would be to use it, abusing it or not even by treating it properly and and, 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 and working with it and, and trying to improve it. Uh, are you going to um, overcome the overarching predicament of identification? with matter. But, that said, there's something to be said for having a balanced psychological ego by which you can proceed in any field, hmm, more enthusiastically or better equipped and so on and so forth. Um, we don't avoid for example going to the doctor for physical ailments. We don't think that if I, if I go don't go to the doctor I'll just chant Hare Krishna and, and you know, it'll it'll, it'll be improved hmm. if I break my leg. You know, nobody questions it. We go to the doctor. So there's psychological mental doctors, if you will, that, that may be able to help us in ways that are constructive. And then if if we that's done in the context of we're actually a practitioner um, of, a, of a transcendental worldview, hmm, then the two aren't conflated. Our sadhana and the attempt to improve our psychology, which we then having done so to whatever extent we're going to use that energy in sadhana. Mm -hmm. There was a school of psychology that was developed in in California a couple decades back called transpersonal psychology. It didn't seem to go too far as far as I know in terms of mainstream, but maybe the reason was because it began from a premise that there is an atma and there is something a whole material existence to transcend and so forth and it sought to help people with psychological balance in the context of that world view hmm, where arguably the balance would be then um, something that could be employed in, uh, in, in, in a deeper attention to and uh, 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 participation in practice. And I think you can look at this in terms of the very idea within the sacred texts of the um, influence of the gunas, sattva guna, tamaguna, rajaguna, the modes of nature as Prabhupada referred to them. Hmm. So if you are more affected, we can say, by the lower modes of nature, rajas and tamas, hmm. sattva, by contrast, is... Balance. Mm-hmm. It's one way to talk about it. Sattva is to, is to, is to be to come into balance, mm-hmm. and then you you don't eat too much, you don't sleep too much, you don't worry too much, you worry a little. You don't <laughs> you don't deprive yourself of some recreation. You have it within balance. And Krishna speaks about this in the Gita when he says, yukta hara harasa yuktas." He says, "Be balanced in eating, sleeping, and probably use the term recreation." Mm-hmm. So. Some, sometimes he would say, sit say he would sit with us and say, let's tell some jokes. And he would tell some. like could, you know, they were kind of odd from our point of view, but they had that Bengali, you know, humor. But um, <laughs> some of them. But um, he could be a little playful at, at times. Um, we didn't always know how to react to that because we had such a reverential perspective. Um, so I don't think he could perhaps do it as often as he would. As he would like, he would say sometimes. And the one, one devotee told that Prabhupada, when they got on the plane, they were playing some music, you know, in the background. And Prabhupada said, "Very, nice, mu- nice music." And the devotee thought, "Is he testing me?" Obviously, that's Maya. That's not spiritual music. That's material music. Cause he? You know. So Prabhupada looked at him like, "You're weird." You know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Just I like the music. You know, sounded sounded pretty good. You know. <laughs> So you don't have any problem doing that with me, of course. But, but we, had a, we were at a little bit of a distance from him for different reasons—age for age and it's so a new, new, newer phenomenon and, and cultural difference, and so on, and so forth. And all the things that are said in the scripture about the guru, which are meant to, which it may be some some cases may be exaggerations, also, you know, which are meant to secure some regard for the teacher. You know, I've never seen a guru who didn't touch the ground but Narad Muni is thought to you know have floated in and enlightened Vyas and so forth so there may be some some exaggeration to make the point hmm. guru should be regarded they should pay attention here so forth hmm. so at any rate um, um, yoga hmm, of course is characterized by again by balance hmm. When in the Gita, when Krishna hmm, Krishna rejects Arjuna's arguments from Dharma hmm, about the moral good, small g good, and then he starts to speak about absolute good and the fact that that uh, it's one thing to be a good human; it's another thing to understand that you're more than human. Hmm, you're an Atma, hmm, and uh, and the implications of that, and so forth. After he does that, he reflects back a little bit on for just a few verses on the actual arguments of Arjuna and dismisses them, even from the point of view of, of dharma. Mm-hmm. And then he starts to speak about yoga, and I think he prefaces his introduction of yoga as the means to realize the atma, mm-hmm. and ultimately, of course, the paramatma, beginning his discourse on yoga and ending it with with uh, with bhakti yoga. Um, but before he does that, he, there's a verse, and I forget the verse, but he, 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 he uses the term, what is it, balance, sama, shanta, uh, uh, let's, anyway, the, the essence of yoga is this uh, balance. Hmm? It's hard to be a yogi and be a, medita- a contemplative, which that's what yoga is about, right? Contemplate without being highly influenced by sattva guna. Hmm? If you're too influenced by raja and tamaguna, you're not going to sit down and you can't be a contemplative. Hmm? So, let's go to Bhagavatam, where uh, for example, um uh, the uh is described following the the, the verses there we says y what does Krishna say or mm Sukhudeva Sudukoswami, I guess the a Sudukoswama says, Nasta pray Shu Bhishunitum mm-hmm. Bhagavat Sava, Bhagavatamash Loki, Bhakti Bhavati Nashaki, Tada Justamo Bhavas, Kamalovada Sjeta Eita Nabitam stitam satve. He says that by studying the Bhagavatam regularly, serving the person Bhagavatam, hmm? the negative influences of Rajas and Thomas are removed. One becomes situated in sattva. Hmm? It's like a, like the leaping off point, so to speak. Uh, sometimes that sattva is is, is referred to as Sutta Sattva, which is even that, now that's a spiritual thing, but the sattva guna itself, hmm? the more you're situated in sattva guna, the more you you're realizing I'm 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 in the airport. Hmm? We were walking in the airport in, our, in Buenos Aires, and there was a homeless person living in the airport there. Hmm. I, I, that happens in the United States too. Hmm. I've seen them, but 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 I saw the saw the man, and the way he was looked at me, laughed, you know, kind of like making up for you know, it happens sometimes here in Argentina. You know, it Was kind of his, his feeling, but I said I said we were all living in an airport. Hmm we're all pitching a tent in an airport. This is meant for going somewhere else. <laughs> and this is the old world view. Hmm? It was quite pervasive actually. That's why Yantarikyan is thought to be tamasic. And, uh, Yantarikyan means a, 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 an abundance and, uh, and, uh, of industrial and technological developments that in a non-Gandhian way as we're seeing now, put people out of work rather than extending the work of one individual, which was Gandhi's idea, of, which is a nice idea. Machines and whatnot should be such that they extend the work of one person, instead of putting one person, two persons, a thousand pieces of persons out of work, and then next thing you know, they're taking over the world. Is you know the the threat of artificial intelligence, right? So this is. Yon the science of machines. Hmm? There's a there's a famous story in 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 one Purana where Arjuna hmm, um, saves Maya Dhanava who wants to give him a benediction, hmm? and the benediction is the power, this insight into yon hmm? science of machines, hmm? artificial intelligence, ultimately. Hmm? And Krishna intervenes and says, don't take it, it's meant for Kali Yuga. Hmm. So, I mean, here we go, you know. So, so, the science of machines, industrial scientific revolution, all the benefits, and, uh, and it's, it's, it's possible that it could culminate in artificial beings that, 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 uh, that take over. And that's a, that's a threat that's repeatedly brought up, in the even in the scientific community. Possibility like movies about it, right? And machines take over until Brad Pitt saves the day or something, you know. <laughs> Where it is, right? You already know how it's going to end, unfortunately. But um, um, but it may not, <laughs> and and as it does in the movies, right? So um, <clears throat> so these these things. This is Rajas. Rajagun, the un, the idea of unlimited um, improvement of the material world. I wrote about it in in, in Sacred Prefaces. The the idea of heaven. Mm, what did I say there? Heaven through artificial. Mm, we can uh, we get. Robotic perfection. Hmm? Robotic perfection. Robotic perfection, right? We can upload our consciousness onto a computer, and uh, or make computers, have feelings, and so it's all about living forever. Hmm? They haven't given up the idea. This is another attempt to pursue what we say everyone's pursuing, to live forever, happily, hmm? and um, it's not a very beautiful idea. You want to go to a robotic heaven, that's not a place that a lot of people would, would find attractive if they thought it out. Hmm? And there might be no real, real people left. <laughs> so, um, so this is this idea of of um, unlimited improvement of the material world is is, is a Rajasic uh, perspective. Hmm? The Sattvic perspective is one that that is clear on the fact that you just that that, that, that no matter how you combine things here, you're, it's not going to be. Perfect. Hmm. The, the, the perfection that we seek lies beyond the limits of the world, and I can't be content in a world that that is temporary. It, it, it just it, I'm driven to a transrational method and worldview and, and so forth. So this is this is this is the ingress of sattva guna. Hmm. Hmm. The more the ingress of sattva, the more one becomes uh, balanced. Hmm? The more one, Bhagavatam is saying in the verses I cited, is in a better position to pursue spiritual life. So, if one is in, if influenced primarily by sattva bhakti comes to them. She's not going to have to clear out the influences of Rajas and Thomas before she does her real work there. Hmm? Hmm. Right? manifesting brain love of God and so forth uh, and, and, and and liberation she's that not sh- that mean that, she, that doesn't mean that she looks only for sattvic balanced people to enter into she goes into everybody right mm-hmm. but she has more work to do in some places than than in others is the idea right so if you look at varnashram Varnashram is a social religious system mm-hmm and um, it's all about balance. It's all it's all about. You have your divisions, you have people who are primarily influenced by by tamaguna, by rajaguna, by a combination of rajas and tamas, or by sattva. These are the basic four ideas of four classes. They're, they're, they're based on a perception of the influence of material nature on them which fosters a certain type of predisposition for labor, for association, what kind of jokes you will like, um, and so on and so forth, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty much impossible to, to get to get to a classless um, society in a sense. You can say there's you can give everybody every opportunity, equal opportunity, and I suppose they should be given equal opportunity, but, but given one's conditioning, karma and so forth, they're going to gravitate towards different opportunities than, than others and you're always going to have then a force a labor force you're going to have an administrative type of person you're going to have an intellectual um, and so on and so forth right mm-hmm. so what's the idea in varnashram is not that one is necessarily better than the other but how to find balance given the, 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 the nature of the conditioning that you are experiencing based on your karma and so forth and so for one person it's going to be uh, you know you, you if the person has a nature, that towards being a laborer then hmm, you probably shouldn't give them the task of writing a book hmm, and if someone has an intellectual propensity, you probably shouldn't give them the task of, d- of digging a, digging, di- digging trenches hmm. I mean it's just... So, so the idea of Varnashram is to, is to bring balance, so to bring people into an occupational field that works with their psychophysical physiological reality and then they're going to be strong materially hmm, and be in a better position to pursue spiritual life. So yes, the Brahminical class is more influenced by sattva, but the balance that the system seeks for each class of person is sattva. So for a sudra to do to do to engage as a sudra brings sattva. Hmm, brings some balance to them. Hmm. They're in a better, and, and more we do that, we're in a better position, you know, to pursue bhakti. That doesn't mean that you're, you can qualify yourself for bhakti. Nothing can qualify you for bhakti, and nothing can qualify you more in in, in all respects than bhakti. Hmm. But hmm. as I often say, if you have got both feet on the ground, you're in a better position to jump up and touch the stars than if you start with one foot on the ground. So there's something to be said for a kind of a holistic approach to spirituality that identifies when we're teaching about sadhana the fact that somebody has a psychological dysfunction that may be getting in the way of their their practicing that we could we could address or send them to someone who could address it like you would if they had a broken leg mm-hmm. right? um, and so there's a way to deal with the psychological ego that will be um, helpful mm-hmm in terms of spiritual pursuit, and but there has to be an understanding that that psychological help unto itself is not spiritual. And it's often thought like that to be. Mm-hmm. So if, uh, conflate, the two are conflated. So if you're a balanced, happy person, that was, that's what it means to be spiritual. We're not saying that. Mm-hmm. So again, on both sides, mm-hmm. however you uh, uh, treat the psychological ego if you actually treat it effectively to bring balance to it hmm, this is not the whole of... this is this is not what we're talking about when we're talking about eradicating the ego. Hmm. But it may have its place. And the other side, if you just attack it and so forth and think that that's humiliated, that's what it, what it means to be humble, you're not going to create detachment hmm. by that. Detachment comes from knowledge. Hmm, hmm knowledge knowledge of the difference the not knowledge that things are temporary now i can tell you things are temporary you can you can nod your head but to have knowledge means there's there's a corresponding action that goes with it if you actually have the knowledge then you act accordingly so therefore, therefore detachment is a corollary of of knowledge knowledge being in the broad sense that well things aren't what they're thought to be hmm? Here today, here today, they're gone tomorrow. I'm pursuing enduring happiness. These things aren't enduring, so I should stop chasing them. I mean, Buddha had knowledge and he sat down. That's all he did was sat down. But it's not so easy to sit down, is it? Because we don't have the knowledge. Hmm. So there's a way to grow the knowledge through association, discussions, putting it in practice for some time. Hmm? Hmm. Eventually, the, that that transrational practice has an effect. So you actually get knowledge. Hmm wisdom and then you, now you're starting to unravel the ego because you're becoming detached there's nothing you can do out of a self-help psychological book that's gonna that's gonna bring about that kind of renunciation like fruits dropping from a tree like I don't need that anymore I see what it is it's, it's, I've moved on hmm. so that that's what we're talking about in that article and, and, I, and I you know I, I've seen like I've seen both sides, I've seen the abuse of the of the psychological ego mm-hmm. in the name of um, unraveling it, detachment and so forth. and I've seen the the padding of it or the you know the massaging of it mm-hmm. even in a positive way, and that being conflated with you know, some substance of spirituality. so that it was worth worth pointing out. Hmm. Yes? So knowledge or wisdom equates with purity? Let's... (laughs) Hold on a second. Okay, go ahead. Just thinking in terms of what you were just speaking about, uh, knowledge and being, once acquiring that knowledge and turning into wisdom, then you can sit and be more balanced and then focused on spiritual life, being in sadhana, right? So then does wisdom equate more to uh, purity to be able to do? Yeah, you got a pure heart, wisdom will come. Hmm. If you have ignorance in the heart, there's no room for wisdom. Hmm. So, as you... And, and ig, ig, impurity ignorance, material desires, so the system for relieving you of material desires, exposing them for what they are mm-hmm. we, we, we replace them with positive spiritual desires. So as they go away, then the consciousness is, is no longer filled with ignorance but now you can uproot the ignorance by spiritual practice the very very cause of all the material, problems is is a vidya, ignorance, which has no beginning. It can be uprooted. Hmm. This is a huge task, but yeah, it's uh, it's, you can say pure because there's no material desires there. The more the the knowledge comes, the less there are material desires, the less there's ignorance. Hmm. The more one can sit. Hmm. Do sadhana. Hmm. So, I mean, knowledge is not not like book knowledge. Book knowledge can be helpful if it's the right book but it has to be put into practice. Yes? Yeah. <coughs> In 11th canto, uh, Udhava is asking Krishna who is actually experiencing material existence because the spirit soul is blissful. And Krishna is uh, answering that uh, the material ad- identification, for Siga. But uh, only the spirit soul is sentient and able to, under, uh, to experience ultimately. No, that's so this, uh, this example of sleeping person is given which has a bad dream, something like that. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, this, even if this is false, but the sleeping person experiences this, this bad dream. Yeah. So how we can under, how we should understand this, this that false ego is experiencing this material existence? Yeah, it's, it's uh, I think I understand your point, um, because we say the Atma is not actually experiencing. He's not damaged or anything like that, it, it, but, but 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 matter has no experience, so how can it be experiencing? Well see, that's the thing. Um, <laughs> in one sense, modern science, let's say in the field of artificial intelligence, is starting to, trying to create a robot that can feel, right? In other words, that that and, and demonstrate that consciousness has a biological basis. Hmm? So it's just just part of the whatever the physical world. Hmm? We say that's not possible, but it, but it, but that's an argument that we make for the sake of preaching. If we want to go further, we say actually you can create a machine that has feeling pretty far out, huh? Mm -hmm. We agree with them. Hmm? God's already done it. (laughs) That's the difference. Hmm? And that's what the the whole subtle matter is, because when we say it has the power to reflect consciousness, it actually takes on a whole... It's an artificial intelligence that has feeling. Hmm? That's what it is. It's an artificial being, if you will, that's different from the Atma, and it actually has feeling. Hmm? That's incredible. So... We say, we say that's already, that's a, that's, you don't want to make that. I mean, it gets too complicated. You, you want to say, you're not matter you're not, consciousness is different, you know, but, but the but there, we are, materially speaking, a robot. <laughs> yeah. And we but, but we have feelings. that's <laughs> We're a perfect robot. <laughs> In other words, it's not just, that's the perfection of, of robotics that, 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 that they have, that they respond, they 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 they, they, have, they have feelings, right? Rather than just computers that are that are just doing equations and so forth without any objectively without any feelings about them. Mm-hmm. So we say, yeah, you can do it, but it's already being done. So <laughs> you know, why why <laughs> endeavor? Understand that that's exactly what you are, a robot with feelings. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean. Yeah, your argument is also that the Atma is not experiencing it. But if the example is in a dream, I'm really not experiencing it. True, nothing's really happening, but I am experiencing it nonetheless. I'm so, I, uh, so yeah, that's what it's like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're not experiencing it, but but on a, but another level, the identification is so comprehensive. Hmm? You might as well say that you are experiencing it in, 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 in you know, in an extended sense. I think the idea that you're not experiencing it is that it's just to say that this, the atma is independent. It's, in the dream, it's kind of a good example. It's not really happening to you. It's not really happening to you as you know yourself to be. That you're picturing yourself. You have a picture of yourself now that's not accurate, and all these experiences are happening to you. But, you know, yeah, it's, 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 uh, uh, nightmares can be (laughs) disconcerting, right? So, but very, very, very interesting, the idea that that, what they're trying to do with other arguments, it's already being done. Hmm? That's what we are. That's what a human, that's what a human being is. Hmm? it's, it's, It's a very... Sophisticated material machine, mm-hmm. of course, by consciousness, it's 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 going on. Mm-hmm. We say the same thing about a computer. If you make a computer that feels, well, you, you know, a feeling person did it, started it, so you know, yeah, yeah. it's not independent of that. Mm. And then you know, then you get the other consciousness appears to be way less complex than just being witnessing compared to the whole complexity of our emotional life and so forth. But that's just to say that the Atma is, is different than, than what, what constitutes material conditioning. Hmm? But material conditioning is a result of the Atma in touch with a particular environment environment of maya shakti. So, if you now put that in the spiritual environment then it has as complex, if not more of an emotional life in relation to to God. So, this is a good argument, of course, that the whole emotional life mm. that one has according to Vedanta is is brought about by the touch of consciousness with matter. So, it stands to reason that, that that the power of emotion lies within consciousness. Therefore, it's an argument for it, the idea that, that there are spiritual emo- and psychological emotions and so forth rather than just ending in Atmananda or Brahmananda Nirbhasej. Hmm. So, something to wrap your, your ego around hmm. Some thoughts. What else? Yes? I was wondering if you could speak about um, two names of Krishna, Gopala and Govinda. I was just thinking about what the difference between those two names for Krishna is. Mm-hmm. The word Pala means protector. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Gopala means who protects the cows. Mm. And Govinda, it sometimes means, like, who enjoys the senses, the earth. Go means earth, go means cow, He hmm? Gives pleasure to the earth, gives pleasure to the cows, gives pleasure. Go means Veda, it has different meanings, hmm? Of course, Krishna protects the earth, Krishna protects the cows. So the difference is in the pal and the Vinda, right? So, he takes pleasure, or gives pleasure, gives pleasure to the senses, gives pleasure to the to the cows. And particularly, of course, Krishna is called Govinda because he gives pleasure to the cows. Of course, he gives pleasure to the senses. That's more of a sadhaka's perspective, so, just different things about him. Some similarity, but in the word go. He protects them, he gives pleasure to them. There's a slight difference. It's said that um, if the cows are pleased, Krishna is pleased, therefore he should scratch their necks, give them fresh fodder, circumambulate them. Statements like this in the sacred text. Who they, in a sense, they embody uh, giving. Mm You know, amongst the animal kingdom, they are um, readily domesticated, and that domestication um, is like a, a functions as a relationship by which the cows benefit if it's done properly, and the humans benefit. So it's a meeting of the wild and the, and the civilized, if you will, or a meeting of humans and animals that brings about a civilization that turns, I would say, humans from hunters and gatherers to ag- to an agrarian you know, community where you can plow with the bull and and, uh, and uh, drink milk uh, and uh, and so forth. Um, so uh, and then, you know, if done properly. The cows, they're... 're they're, they're they're protected. they don't have to now watch over their shoulder for the lion mm-hmm. they don't have to you know forage and compete for their their meals It's provided for mm-hmm. and they do some work so this is a nice nice relationship. Um, so that said, uh, the cows amongst animals in some respects embody giving because the milk that they give which exceeds the amount that the calves can drink mm, is very valuable Mm, it's a very very um, healthy uh, form of food for humans to consume mm, um, if you don't doctor it up and so forth so, and it can, of course it can be made into many different products. It's quite miraculous. It's to work with milk and turn it into cheese and butter and ghee and so many things, right? It's, it's uh, very um, um, rich, I don't mean in a, in a but it's rich in, in all respects. Mm-hmm. But the price of it is grass. And grass grows even in the concrete, as I sometimes say. So, there's there's no way even if you have to buy hay because mm, you don't have enough grass that the, the cost of the hay mm, is going to make it uh, prohibitive be, because the, you're going to get the value of the milk that you're going to get is far going to exceed the cost of the hay. There's, there's no comparison. Mm. So, mm, given what they give compared to what they have to take—they in many respects are emblems of giving. Oh, well, you want some grass? Well, this is right there, no problem. And, and you're going to—and I protect you—and you're going to give this rich milk. So they really kind of represent, in the in from a metaphorical sense, allegorical sense, giving. Christians surrounded by givers. Then the question comes, well, if I just give, who's going to take care of me? And the answer is Go, Paul. he protects the givers, right? hmm. he gives pleasure to them, hmm. so you don't have to worry about that, hmm. see how many cows Krishna has, he knows everyone's names, cares about each one individually. So, right. we stop there. Shishidhaji Gopal, Jaya. Kodivashina Guru Panamparaki, Jaya. Bhakti Vindakija. Uta Manandee. Ancha Kalkatuku Vista Kivashindu Beva Chattipati Tanam Bhavaini Bhavaka. Vaishnavibhina Manamaha. Anam to Kodivashina Vindakija.